Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I don't know why they even bothered. I don't know why they bothered. Putting Joe Biden on stage last night, I sure hope you will read what I actually had. Rarely these days do I have fun writing a column, but I just enjoyed writing about this last night, this speech. I hope you will read it. Uh, It's open for everybody. Uh, Anybody can click through and read it. Just text the word Eric to 33777. Click that top link. Look for the piece. Second from the top. Democrats, not democracy, are threatened. I just want to read you some. I'm just proud of myself for some of the wordplay. The Democrats' doddering old fool and fabulist-in-chief spoke in a part-time train station turned full-time homeless shelter last night to rally progressives. He tried the same approach in Philadelphia September 1st. Shortly thereafter, Democrats' polling collapsed. Republicans retook the lead in the generic ballot. This time he did it with gusto before a soft blue background and a crowd of partisans instead of two Marines and red whorehouse lighting. On Wednesday night, he did not do what he did the day before in Florida. He didn't claim he went to a historically black college. He didn't. Or that his son died in Iraq. He didn't or that he met the inventor of insulin, he didn't, or that the war in Iraq, he meant Ukraine, provoked the current crisis, it didn't, or that Putin is to blame for global inflation, he's not, or that Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a senator, she's not. Instead, he said democracy is under attack, it's not. He didn't talk about inflation. He didn't talk about crime. He didn't talk about the economy. So let me just stop reading my words here and just tell you, here's the problem. Joe Biden's speech last night was written by a progressive 20-something Twitter warrior who's more interested in winning the tweet war than winning reality. I mean, his speech, for example, he said, this is one of the lines he said, the extreme MAGA elements of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party. So why give an entire speech about the extreme MAGA elements of the Republican Party if they're a minority of the party? He said there are, quote, uh, more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. You know, there are more than 10,000 people on, or 10,000 races, not people, but 10,000 races. So about 20,000 people on the ballot across the country this year. So it's less than 1% of the people. When you combine all the people on the ballots this year across America, less than 1% are election deniers. And by the way, his party funded some of those election deniers to the tune of $53 million, and Biden wouldn't name any of them, not a single one, including the ones his party funded. The only thing his speech is going to do is mobilize anti-Democrat turnout on Election Day. There's no added incentive to his own side. Just think about this. Think about this, folks. 
If you're fired up because democracy is under attack, aren't you going to go vote? Do you need one more Joe Biden speech after all the times Joy Reid has badgered you into saving democracy? Will one more Biden speech fire up that last? Oh, my gosh. He said it twice now. I guess I better go vote. Democracy really must be under attack because he's given two speeches on it. Who do you think this is more likely to fire up? The Republicans who are already fired up and now they're even more fired up? Or the Democrats? What about the independents? Oh, my gosh. The president of the United States. Twice he said this must be important. This must be more important than my pocketbook, my 401k, my kid's school, my grocery bill, my gas bill. Do you really think this is going to fire up independents to suddenly vote? Democrat? What the hell was the point of the speech? The fact that today, less than 24 hours after the old doddering fool said it, the media has already moved on to other stuff should probably tell you this was a wasted opportunity. He could have come out last night and said, listen, threats to democracy are a concern, but I also know the economy is and inflation is. And I actually think having Democrats in Congress where we can actually pass bills instead of having gridlock where nothing gets done to help you would be a good thing. He could have said that. He didn't. He probably cost the Democrats their New Hampshire Senate seat. Probably cost them their New Hampshire Senate seat. There's no early voting in New Hampshire. Stacey Abrams is not there to scream racism, so they don't have early voting. And so now you've got all this momentum headed into Election Day, and here comes the President of the United States and talks about exactly the issues voters don't care about. But I need to say this as well. If democracy were really under attack, the the Democrats would probably be trying to calm the currents in the country. They'd be seeking consensus instead of contentiousness. If democracy were really under attack in the country, Democrats would probably be letting federalism deal with cultural issues instead of trying to steamroll boys into girls' sports. They wouldn't have rushed through a massive spending bill that provoked inflation. They'd have worked with Republicans to narrowly craft one. They wouldn't have told Americans who can't afford new cars to be sure to go buy a new electric one, just don't plug it in from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. in California. They'd have worked to expand fossil fuel production domestically. They wouldn't have focused on abortion. They would have focused on the supply shortage of baby formula, which is still a thing even now. They wouldn't have passed the Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation that have focused on the economy and not wrecking it. They would have proven to be good stewards who can compromise. Instead, what they did is all or nothing. You must vote for us or you're a racist, bigot, democracy denier. Joe Biden lacks empathy for the American people. And now they've decided at the end of the election to tell you you're either with them or against democracy. Every time they get an opportunity to express empathy for you, they express antipathy for you. They don't like you. Hispanic voters, there's a big story we'll get to. Hispanic voters have decided Democrats are all for show. They're full of BS. They don't really like them. Uh, they, They keep trying to woo them. And Hispanic voters are breaking decisively for the GOP this time. And this has got to be said. This this has to be said. And I hope if you're a Democrat, you take this in the spirit which is offered, which is one, to revel in your coming destruction, but also, also 
just to make a point where you shouldn't be mad at me and the Republicans right now. You should be mad at the Democrats. If you're a progressive listening, please listen to this. This actually is kind of important. If you are a progressive listening, history favors the challenger party in midterms. Presidents of the United States tend to see their party get a drubbing in the midterms. They knew this headed into 2022. And one of the harbingers of doom for Democrats in Republicans who control the White House is the governor's race in Virginia. If the governor flips to the other party after a president is elected, it means a wave is coming. It always means a wave is coming. In 2009, Bob McDonald got elected governor of Virginia, and it preceded the 2010 Republican wave. In 2021, Glenn Youngkin got elected. All the polls said he would not get elected, and he got elected. It's a harbinger of doom for the Democrats, the very first one. The historic pattern was repeating itself. Terry McAuliffe tried to do two things in Virginia. Stand with the school boards and make it about Donald Trump. Democrats could have learned two lessons to mitigate what was coming. Don't run against Donald Trump and reverse yourselves as quickly as possible on school closures. Instead, what do they do? They've made it all about Trump and abortion, and they've hugged the teachers union so close you would think that they were a teenage girl near Joe Biden. When the parental backlash began against the Democrats, the Democrats called them domestic terrorists, literally had a letter written by the Department of Justice uh, presuming them to be domestic terrorists. They're MAGA, but worse. Every time fate has handed the Democrats an opportunity to reverse their extremism, they've doubled down on it. When the Supreme Court gave them the Dobbs decision and women started returning to the Democratic Party thinking, oh my gosh, they really are going to lock me up in a chastity belt. What did the Democrats do? They went full abortion with no exceptions until after birth. Stacey Abrams said inflation is an abortion issue. You need to be able to kill your kids if you can't buy groceries. And what did women do? They're like, my gosh, they're more ghoulish than the Republicans. The Democrats' abortion on demand until the end without exception polls more extremely than the Republican position of no abortion ever. Yes, that's a true fact. The Democrats' no abortion without any exception whatsoever, abortion on demand until the moment of birth, is a more extreme position in polling than no abortions with exceptions for life of the mother and rape. And when the women saw that, they started drifting back to the GOP. And then you had the school attacks, the attacks on the parents. And then the Democrats, after it was all over, came out and said, actually, you know, we've always been the party that supported reopening schools. It was the Republicans who did the lockdowns. I mean, it's like the Democrats to this day insist that they were the party of freedom and Republicans were the party of slavery. It's just the people, the the people reversed. And now they're like, the the Republicans were always the party of school closures. We were always the party of reopening schools. It's just the people reversed. Uh, No. And then as an aside, the Democrats are like, hey, can we get an amnesty for you, from you? Sorry, we didn't let you hug your grandma before she died. Bygones. Nothing has worked. Kids' educations are at stake. Moms are furious. 
Their parents' 401ks look like Rome after the Visigoths sacked the city. Suburban communities have gang violence and guns, and the Democrats are on TV saying, crime? What crime, you racist bigots? And so women move back to the GOP. The Democrats have been on television for months telling you inflation's really no big deal. It's actually good for you and the environment to have inflation. You should suck it up and deal with it. And now these same Democrats are complaining that Elon Musk wants to charge him eight bucks a month for a blue check on Twitter. And so here at the end of the midterms, the Democrats trotted out Grandpa Dementia, their fabulist in chief to go on stage last night and scream again about democracy and say it's under assault, it's under threat, and you've got to vote Democrat or else our democracy is over, please pay no attention to the fact that we funded all of these supposed threats to democracy who are about to beat us. They're going to learn nothing. They're going to forget nothing. At the end of the day, the Democrats think the biggest problem with America is the American people. And if you wait and watch on MSNBC on election night, the Democrats are going to make sure you know how much they hate you, the American people. And that, my friends, is going to be what really sets the table for 2024 after the Democrats go through what's coming on election night and tell you, the people of America, you are the problem. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americas for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program, just so you can't say I didn't play it. It's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged. Now it's important for citizens to be patient as well. That's how it's supposed to work. Patience, Grasshopper, patience, right. We want Americans to vote. We want every American's voice to be heard. Now we have to move the process forward. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases we won't know the winner of the election for a few days. Yep. I mean, that that is true, by the way. There are um, about 20 states, 15 to 20 states that don't allow you to start counting absentee ballots until after the polls are closed, and it will drag things out. And that's where conspiracy theories come and the hanky-panky comes and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and he's urging some caution there. It's legitimate for him to do. They're talking about it on MSNBC as well. But here's why. I've gotten some conspiracy-minded emails from people saying, are they just trying to, like, like say this now so then when they steal the election afterwards they say, we told you so? No. 
here's what's actually going on. For the last three months, the media has said, hey, guys, the Democrats, they might actually be able to hold the House. They're probably going to keep the Senate. They might be able to hold the House. And Democrats have clung to those things. And here at the end, everything is shifting so rapidly. The Republican wave is growing so much. This is a message to Democrats. Don't be like those MAGA guys. And they're going to. They can't help it. It is just insane to see the spin right now. So there's the, this um, clump of cells in Georgia who works for Georgia Public Broadcasting. I don't know a single Republican of any credibility who talks to this reporter. Uh, he just regurgitates Democratic spin uh, as if it's fact. He subtweets me all the time as if he doesn't think I know what I'm talking about, uh, that he should be the election authority, but all he does is hump the Democrats' legs. And he's out there now saying, well, you know, the margins of errors, the margins of errors. And, you know, it, it's these Republican polls. They're probably just those push polls to shape the to shape the polling average. You know, there's something to be said here. You know, there, there is a volley of polling out there from Republican pollsters. And there isn't a lot from Democrats. And there was in 2020. This, folks, this is called the dog that didn't bark from Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes knew in a break-in of a home that it must be the owner who did it because the dog didn't bark, or a story similar to that. The dog had to have known who did it because the dog didn't bark. The dog barked at everyone. The Democrats have two major polling firms, Democracy Corps and Data for Progress, and both are showing a Republican wave. So there are no other Democratic polling firms pushing polls designed to skew the polling averages because they know what's coming there's no reason to ruin their credibility at this point to skew the public opinion polling in their direction. They know what's coming. The fact that the Democrats aren't trying to skew the polling average is your big tip-off that they know doom is upon them. And the fact that the media is now this week with gusto saying, hey, Democrats, this is going to be bad. Get ready. They're trying to bat down the hatches for the storm that is coming. This wave gets bigger every day. The holidays are the most exciting time of year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays. My goodness gracious, it's easier than it sounds, though. You need the softest, most luxurious, organic cotton sheets from Bowling Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch, I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is, is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bull and Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But they're signature sheets. They come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowling Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off 
your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code ERIC, bowlandbranch.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, real quick programming note, my apologies to those of you where it sounds like we had dead air a little while ago. We played a clip of the president and I could hear it. It looked like it was going out, but apparently it didn't actually process on radios across America. So you sound like you had dead air and my apologies, my fault. Um, it really did look like it was going out, but this clip will go out. This is Ron Klain on CNN in damage control mode about President Biden's speech last night really telling that he had to say this. The president decided a few days ago that it was important to uh, uh, issue one final warning on this issue to make very clear, to leave no doubt, uh, that we have people out there still peddling the big lie. People uh, uh, now raising the issue of election denial in this election. Uh, And of course, uh, the horrible incident uh, uh, involving Speaker Pelosi and her family, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, showing the rising threat of political violence. Uh, yeah, wanted to issue this one final warning, but then there's this. Continue the job creation, uh, continue to to move the economy forward and to tackle the biggest problem we have in the economy right now, frankly, which is inflation and bringing down prices of everyday things uh, that that really hit uh, people hard. Uh, That's the number one problem right now. It's inflation. And that's the problem we're focused on. Inflation is the number one problem. That's the problem we're focused on. And Joe Biden spent exactly zero seconds talking about it last night. Zero seconds talking about it. Now, this, for those of you who are in uh, the Georgia area, those of you in Georgia, you're going to want to listen to this. This is the former mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, Keisha Crimeway Bottoms, on MSNBC, spinning the president's speech. Get a load of this rich nonsense. Well, the president has been out on the road, and if anyone is paying attention, they've heard him speak to the issues that are facing the American people. I also want to remind the American people that this uptick in crime was experienced in 2020. This is when this began, and and the American people know who the president was at that time. That being said, uh, President Biden is very much aware of the issues and challenges facing our country. Uh, for he's been out on the road speaking about these issues, reminding people what this administration has done. This is really rich. We didn't have a crime wave in Atlanta until Keisha Lance Bottoms decided not to enforce the law in Atlanta. We didn't have a crime wave in Atlanta until Keisha Lance Bottoms decided the police were the bad guy. We didn't have a crime wave in Atlanta until Keisha Lance Bottoms decided she wanted to defund the police. We didn't have a crime wave in Atlanta until Keisha Lance Bottoms decided the people were the problem in North Atlanta, the Buckhead area. Uh, They were a bunch of white racists. Uh, How dare they be upset with the crime wave? They're the problem. Now she said, well, it was Trump. Trump's to blame. No, the hell it wasn't. It was you mayors who are progressive partisans who decided the police were the bad guy. You're the ones who go. This is the damage control the Democrats are doing right now. My goodness, it's bad for them. All right, to the phones we go. Jeff, coming to you first. Welcome to the show. How are you? Eric, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. 
There is an obvious systemic gap appearing in Democratic campaign issue and uh, campaign messaging going on right now. At some point earlier in the summer, the Democrats went all in on abortion and MAGA's destroying democracy as their campaign messaging. Those aren't the issues at all that voters are responding to, especially independents today. Here's my question. Why the gap? And why is their myth so large? Aha. Um, Because, Jeff, they made a couple of bad mistakes. And I appreciate that question. Sort of those questions that helps make me look smart. One, Democrats presumed the way to mitigate the midterm historic destruction was to motivate their base. The Democrats have bought into a mythology. It is that their base is bigger than the Republican base, and if they just get it to turn out, they win. The Democratic base is larger than the Republican base, but they forget the independents. And the independents make and break the election. They're not beholden to the Democratic talking points. So what the Democrats decided to do is they decided, well, no independent is going to vote for the Republicans because in the Democratic media bubble, Republicans are election-denying conspiracy theorists, bigots. No one's going to vote for them. So if we motivate the Democratic Party base by talking about abortion and MAGA, we'll motivate them to turn out. The independents will never vote Republican. We win. It was a strategic calculation, and it was a disaster for the Democrats. They alienated their Hispanic and black voters. They, in playing to the white college-educated Democrats— alienated independent voters, and the Republicans were given all of the ground to talk about the economy and crime, to talk about inflation. The Democrats are really out there right now claiming that crime isn't bad, that crime is is not actually a problem. Susan Del Percio was on MSNBC, where the Democrats have been pushing back hard on the crime issue. Listen to this audio. If I can get it to play now. The fact that Lee Zeldin is doing so well, I think, is reflective of two things. One, his messaging on crime. And more importantly, he's taking it to New York City, where he needs to, if he was to pull it off, around 35 percent of the vote. He's staying in New York City and talking to voters about crime, specifically subway crime. You can't tell people that it's it's safer based on stats when they're afraid to go on those subway platforms. And even as a New Yorker myself, I have concerns about being on subway platforms. Oh, you know, this is what the Democrats are doing. Say, well, the stats say you're wrong. The stats say crime in Oklahoma is worse than crime in New York City. The stats. These are the people who always use lived experience. It's like, so I, I put up this video on Instagram a while back about Stacey Abrams needs to shut the hell up about families because she doesn't have one. It's based on Stacey Abrams' own logic that your lived experience counts. And if you don't have that lived experience, you can't say anything. Stacey Abrams is a 48-year-old single woman who's never been married, doesn't have kids. She really shouldn't be talking about abortion as a grocery bill issue when she herself does not have the lived experience based on her logic. Now, in my logic, she should be able to. But in her logic, she can't. In the Democrats' logic, your lived experience matters. And these people in New York are scared to death to be on subways. Did you know a couple of weeks ago, a crazy man shoved someone onto the tracks of the subway as a train was pulling into the station? I kid you not. It happened. It was caught on tape. 
And the Democrats are like, well, the statistics say it's safer in New York City than in rural Oklahoma. I'm sorry, but people's lived experience is different from that. And Democrats used to be good at that, but not anymore. Tracy, you're going to be up next on The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome to the show. Tracy, how are you? Well, hey, it was good to see you Friday at the Governor's Gun Club. Thank and you so I much for coming. Your show notes. I read the article that George, or the opinion piece that George Will wrote, and he calls for Biden and Harris just not to run again. Well, from what the evidence that he cites, why didn't he just call? I wanted your opinion on why didn't Will just flat out call for them to both resign now? Oh, because if they resign now, Nancy Pelosi would become president of the United States. And that would be a problem. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just so much damage to be done in oh. the next year and a half. Oh, absolutely. I just expected absolutely. him to be a bit more bold. Well, okay, so if – well, George Will is, is – his point is, I mean, this is what the voters voted for, but they shouldn't offer this choice again or someone like a Trump will win in 2024. George Will does not like Donald Trump. He preferred Biden to Trump and that he's out now saying this is actually an unmitigated disaster. At least he can acknowledge it, unlike those Lincoln Project people who think that any Democrat – is better than any Republican, uh, you'll see Will drift back to the right if you get someone who's not Trump in, in office. And he certainly doesn't want Nancy Pelosi to be president of the United States. George Will cannot stand Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he just wants a Republican who is not Trump. And if he can get that, he'll be happy. Uh, just it, it's it's kind of a uh, an interesting setup, though, that the Democrats are in this conundrum. I, I should play you the, the Saturday Night Live thing that they did. Um, I just I found it very interesting that Saturday Night Live is now out uh, essentially skewering the Democrats for how bad everything is out there and and essentially saying they need someone new and the best they can get is, is Joe Biden. By the way, I got to give a shout out to Jake Tapper at CNN. I need to commend Jake Tapper. He had on Sean Patrick Maloney, who is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee chairman, whose committee funded some of the supposed election deniers out there. And Tapper called Maloney out on it. I have to ask you about something you said earlier this week. Let's roll that soundbite. Let's not let's not let's not pretend for a minute that both sides have the same the same amount of accountability for for the loss of confidence in our elections. One side has been out there for a couple of years now doing everything they can to pretend Joe Biden didn't win fair and square. The thing is, Democrats writ large have spent fifty three million dollars supporting far-right candidates, election deniers in the primaries, including the DCCC, by amplifying these election deniers, aren't you holding responsibility to a degree for the undermining of democracy that you're also warning about? Oh, my God. Uh, Jake, let's, let's be really clear. What that question you just played was about was who's questioning the outcome of elections. And that started with Donald Trump, and we all know it. And, and let's be clear, that $53 million dollars, Look, it's $400,000 at the DCCC in one race, one, where we ran a true general election ad two weeks early, calling John Gibbs an extremist who's too conservative for Western Michigan. Yeah, to boost And him. Hillary Skolton, who's a great candidate, excuse me, is going to beat him like a drum. So if you... 
Tabber was having none of it. And by the way, uh, Maloney wanted to focus on this one candidate, and, and Tabber's like, you guys spent $50 million helping these people. He was having none of it. Good for good for him. Uh, contrary to the Democratic rhetoric from even the White House press secretary. He has been clear democracy is under assault, and we cannot pretend otherwise. The president will continue to call attention to the threat to, dem- to democratic integrity and to public safety posed by those who deny the documented truth about election results and those who seek to undermine public faith in our system of government. Unfortunately, we have seen mega, MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. They refuse to accept the results of free and fair elections, and they fan the flames of political violence through what they praise and what they refuse to condemn. It remains important for the president to state strongly and unequivocally that violence has no place in our democracy. Um, right. Mega MAGA is so bad. They will control your bodies if you elect them. They will want to control your bodies like the Democrats did by forcing you to get vaccines you didn't want to get. My body, my choice, the Democrats say, except when it comes to the COVID vaccine and then it's it's your job or else. Uh, it's not playing well with people. They've run out of things to say. They've run out of things to say. And now they're back to democracy is going to be stolen if you guys go vote Republican. Democracy is dead. And here's the problem. Everyone knows there will be an election in two years. Everyone knows there will be an election in two years. So saying democracy is is dead if you vote MAGA, um, actually, no, you're voting for accountability for the Democrats. Still why I think Herschel Walker in Georgia wins without a runoff because voters want to hold the Democrats accountable and Raphael Warnock is part of the problem in Georgia. He's got to be held accountable and the only way to hold him accountable is to replace him with Herschel Walker. One of the groups that's out helping get everybody elected on the Republican side, the conservative movement, is Patriot Mobile. They do it by growing the conservative movement by taking a portion of their profits and giving it to conservative causes. And the way they help conservative causes with their profits is by you taking your business to them. And you can do it very easily by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You get free activation with my name, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You get guaranteed great service. You can see their coverage down to your house with their great coverage maps, 5G, data voice, all of that, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They're good people, good Christians. They fund the conservative cause with your money. This is not for show. It's how they were set up. There are some companies that claim to do this, but they're just like subsidiaries of bigger companies. This is a standalone company designed to do this, to advance the conservative cause, but they need your help to do it. 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there, it's Eric. Please subscribe to my daily email. Since you're a radio listener, if you text DATA to 33777, you'll get a discount to do so. So you can get the stack of stuff, the show notes. People call all the time and say, hey, that story you talked about, can can I get it? Can, can I get a link? Well, you can. They're all in the show notes. Just text DATA to 33777. I'm sending all the I, – I didn't send an early vote breakdown this morning because I had to cover Biden's speech, and I 
just send it out to everybody. It was worth it. Uh, let's go to Bob. Bob, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Thanks, Eric. Greetings from Chickamauga. Uh, the first, thanks for what you do. You you make me think and you keep me entertained. You said something just a moment ago that, that made the penny drop. It really clicked when you said you talked about the Democrats trying to convince us that crime is not so bad. Well, anyone with half a brain and the willingness to be honest with themselves understands that the media is in their back pocket. The media is pushing the Democrat BS. At the same time, they sensationalize almost everything. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the parable of the, uh, the frog and the scorpion? Where oh, the yes. Scorpion... Yeah, so it sounds just like the media. I mean, they, they sensationalize crime. At the same time, they're trying to push the Democratic message, which is at counter purposes. So they basically shot themselves and the Democrats in the foot by trying to scare us all with with their sensationalized coverage of crime. That's that's all I wanted to say. Look, I appreciate it a, a ton, Bobby. You know, it's like homelessness. Rush Limbaugh used to point this out all the time. Uh, when a Democrat is in the White House, homelessness is a, not a it, it's just not a problem. The moment a Republican takes back the White House, suddenly the stories on homelessness crop up. When a Democrat is in the White House, crime is not a problem. It does not matter how bad the crime is. Crime is not a problem. The moment a Republican takes over, oh, my goodness, what are they going to do about crime? There's actually a uh, friend of mine on Twitter. Let me see if I can I can pull back up his tweet. I retweeted it a little while ago. This is uh, sad, uh, but also interesting to note. Uh, someone named Kate Willett. Um, October 25th tweeted, I'm a 5'1 woman who failed high school PE and I walk around New York regularly at 3 a.m. alone. It's very safe here. To put it more directly, men fear mongering about crime in New York City are being little babies and it's uneffinable trait. I'll leave out that one word. Here's a headline from New York. Female jogger, 43, is choked, raped, and robbed during a 6 a.m. run in New York City. Um, it's not that woman, by the way. But it kind of gives you the idea that the Democratic narrative of crime is not a problem goes away the moment a Republican's in the White House. They do everything they can to cover the narrative. They're, they're, now they've relied on stats. Well, it's not nearly as bad in New York City as it is in Oklahoma. Uh, the variations of the crime and where it happens and all, that's the problem. You know, there there are where I live, areas you know don't go into this area because crime is bad there. In New York, it's everywhere. It's on the subway. It's in Manhattan. It's in Brooklyn. It's all over the place. And they refuse to acknowledge it because they're more interested in the narrative than they are the actual news these days. When we come back, one of their narratives is breaking apart. Demography is no longer destiny. There's a massive shift happening right now with Hispanic voters in this country. I've got the latest numbers for you. You won't believe them.